Disclaimer, the contents of this podcast do not constitute medical or professional advice and do not reflect the opinions of the affiliates, promotional sponsors or partners or advertising agencies and only reflects the opinions of the members and guests. This podcast contains explicit content and offends everyone equally. VTSR expressly disclaims any and all liability relating to any actions taken or not taken based on any or all contents of this podcast. We disclaim any responsibility. Listen at your own risk. Well, welcome back to this exciting episode of VTSR with J.P. Cervantes and his new guests and, of course, the sexy and deep-throated, I mean, deep-voiced Nate. It is time once again to journey down that long country road with J.P. Cervantes and the VTSR crew. What's going on, Mr. Nate? Well, J.P., there's a lot of stuff going on in the world. And I get to talk to you about it today. Have you been rushing around in a Ukrainian outfit today? Uh, No. Uh, I've been thinking about what the fuck would I do if I had to go and fight in Ukraine? Because that's fucking too cold for me, man. Well, yeah, I I can. I've seen you as a warm weather person and you would you would shrivel up. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's it's like because when things are this big in the heat, we know that. There's shrinkage in the cold, and you're already the tiny little <laughs> You know, it's funny because somebody asked me, it's like, hey, JP, uh, so if you were in the army and, and you know, you were still in group and they sent seventh group to Ukraine, what would you guys do? I'm like, we'll probably set up immediately on the local street bar, run the street bar so that the 10th group guys can come and relax after each operation. Don't worry. We got this, boys. We'll, yeah. keep, we'll keep the beers cold. You're the R&R and COs. Yeah, exactly. Oh, of course. Ain't no seventh group guy want to be in the freaking snow. No, play to your talents. It's That's awesome. It's funny. Um, I, I had a photo shoot last week, and they're like, we want to dress you up like Blizzard from the G.I. Joes. Have you ever worn white camo before? And I'm like, I'm from Canada. It's the only camouflage we fucking have. <laughs> it's the only thing we have. It's we don't have we anything have. else. Yeah. Oh, my God. Hey, talking about uh, real quick, I just want to send a shout out to uh, uh, Mike. Mike cannot make it tonight. He's working over there. In, in, you know, he's doing some contract work in Seattle. So the, uh, the time difference is, is too big of a gap for him to be able to get out of work and be in the podcast. But he just wanted to say hi to all the listeners and all his fans. All which seven. is basically, which is basically me and Nate. <laughs> we are his biggest fans. We are. You know? Yes. Yes. We lift him uh, up. But yeah, man, what, what, what do you think about that whole Ukrainian stuff, man? Dude, I, I don't really know. My, my attention span for the Ukraine was there a few years ago when we were starting to do stuff and some of my boys were overdoing some stuff. And advising, I guess, is what we'd say from Canada. Now, right now, my attention span has gone to Canada itself because the Freedom Convoy and all this stuff that's happening there. So I'm kind of conflicted on which one do I pay attention to. And of course, TikTok doesn't tell me anything about the Ukraine. So obviously, I don't need to know about it if TikTok's no, not telling No, no. If it's not on TikTok, about. you don't need to know about no, it. Actually, but they're telling me about the... Twitter. Yeah, Twitter, right? And, uh, you know, Slapchat and Grinder. those ones tell me all about the Ukraine. So, slap chat. 
it, it, it is kind of a, an interesting thing that they're reaching into the Ukraine so much. Like, well, you know what is funny is uh, somebody somebody told me the other day. Well, you know, because you know Biden announced that he's going to send troops over there. Everybody's talking about it. And I go like, "What do you think, JP? It is the right thing to go and help secure their border." I'm like, "Secure the border? Really? Let's <laughs> talk about that one." You guys don't care you about know, borders. What what happened with all borders should be open, and now we're going to a different country to secure the border? Let's fucking send those motherfuckers right here to Texas. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm like, what the hell is this shit? You know, uh, let's secure the border. I'm like, shit, fucking let's secure ours first before we try to help somebody else freaking secure their border. Well, this is the thing that is uh, stuck with me my whole life is if you don't have your house in order, how the hell can you go help somebody else get their house? If your house is burning, you need that water to put it out instead of putting out your neighbor's house. Yeah. It, it, Freaking insane, bro. Yeah. Insane. And how's your COVID? Are you, um, have you got any COVID? <laughs> uh, I, I, I had some around here the other day, but um, it, uh, I don't know. You I, gave it away? I, I, I sprayed some Ivy Mectin on the driveway and it just went away. <laughs> Man, you know what it pissed me off? I, I, I normally, in the mornings, I, you know, set up the local news mm -hmm. but it's all, all i really want to look at is the weather yes but of course before the weather i gotta listen to all this everything is about covid yeah everything all day long about covid i'm like dude fucking that's old shit man yeah uh, do we are we still talking about flu every day we don't talk about flu every day no and and that shit is around well and here's the worst part is i used to, when uh when i was working with one lady she's a mom and she's got a couple kids And she would sit there. She'd come into work. She goes, oh, the numbers are up by 20% today. I'm like, 20% of what? And she's like, I don't know. I'm like, okay. Are they 20% more dead people? Are they 20% per more percent people in the hospital? What is that 20%? I don't know. The news just said 20%. And I'm like, okay, your taxes are going up 20% today. Oh, that means I don't have enough money to buy this. Okay, so you know what that 20% is. What's 20% of this COVID shit? Well, I don't know. Okay. If they're telling me deaths are up by 20%, okay, what's the original number? Where's my yeah. tangible number to go with? 10 people died yesterday. We're up by another 20%. Okay, now I can track something. But just to run around panicking like Chicken Little with your head cut off? Well, the thing is, it, it, you can go by, by the uh, positive numbers either. No. Uh, because if you go by positive numbers, uh, when you look a year ago, there was not that many tests available, Right. And now you can get at home test kits, you know, so that there's people every two days at home freaking stinking, sticking shit in their freaking nose, trying to do freaking tests. I'm like, dude, calm the fuck down. You're not leaving your house. Why are you testing yourself? And all they're doing is, is screwing up that curve of the numbers. Yep. 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 How about we do this? This would be more fascinating. Let's reverse the numbers and say, this is how many people lost the lottery today. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, we sold 6.8 million tickets. Only two people won. Okay. Well, let's do the same thing with COVID. We sold 6.5 million tests and only six people died. So they're the winners. Yeah. You know, tell me, I, I'm just, I'm just tired of that bullshit. Yeah. You know? Well, uh, it's great to see Denmark. They, they're like, look, 
we're we're done with it. The curve is gone. The world has to live with live with it now. We've got, yeah, exactly. We got the Freedom Convoy in Canada, which they're closing roads illegally, stopping its citizens and making them stay there. Miles of convoys. They can't get to food. They can't get to services. They can't get gas. Uh, there's people that live in the area that can't even get home because the police are closing the, the roads. Nobody's talking about that. The people in Ottawa who are trying to be the, this peaceful protest, they're playing hockey and stuff. They're not fighting anybody. They're not burning anything down. They're not doing anything bad. There's been a, a small group of shitheads, which you'll always get. But the actual COVID stuff, one guy actually said, well, you know what? I don't believe in this COVID anymore because Justin Trudeau was vaccinated and now he has COVID. So the fact that he is hiding because he has COVID and can't talk to these people, he's lo- the narrative is losing its strength. So this whole COVID situation, more people have died from the lockdowns and the bullshit than the actual COVID. Now, I'm not saying if you lost somebody to COVID legit, like we all have friends that suffered, like Gary was suffering there when he had it. So it's a real thing, but it's not that level of bullshit that they're saying. And the world yeah. seems to be very tired of it now. Yeah, and I just realized something, man. What? Now we're going to have a bunch of artists uh, trying to cancel us on Spotify uh, because we're talking shit about COVID. <laughs> we're going to be over there with Joe Rogan. <laughs> well, you know, at least M- Millie Vanilli pulled somebody else's music off Spotify. Oh, that shit was fucking hilarious. That shit was hilarious. But, you know, it's funny because... Uh, all these people going like, I'm going to pull my shit for misinformation, right? And and by the way, all these doctors talking have more qualifications than uh, freaking Fauci. Yes. Right? The, the difference is Fauci got a position, but these guys are actually more qualified than Fauci is. Yes. But, but let's pull out because I got offended by that. I'm like, listen, you listen to all this trap music that is all about freaking doing all this nasty shit to women and stuff like, oh, you have no issues with that. Shooting cops, shooting police, killing little kids on music is okay. Yeah. But Joe Rogan brings a guess. Oh my God, the world's going to end. Well, it's this. Uh, When I used to play Call of Duty, you'd get these people in there and they'd be trying to tell me how to play the game because then (laughs) we put it together. Of course, bro, because you're too fucking old. Only kids know how to play that. Right. Even though I wasn't the top 5,000 in the world, I digress, but you don't know that when you're talking to people. So they just come in, randomly pair you up and you start playing and guys are okay. Everybody stick with me. We got the most kills. We got to do this. We got to do this. And you're like, it's your first day, buddy. He's like, yeah, we're going to have so much fun. I won a game six months ago with my buddies and you know, we play all the time. Okay. That's cool. Right on. And you just go out and you grind out your stuff and they get all pissed because you're not rolling with them. They try to steal your vehicles. They try to tell you what to do. And they're in your face, in your face, in your face. And I saw this beautiful meme and I think it got taken down. Whereas this one guy, he was playing and he's, he's rolling around and he's racking up money and he's racking up some kills. And then the rest of his team has all got Fauci faces on them and they all run in circles and they're hitting walls and, and just doing stupid things, but they don't, he ends up winning because he carried the whole team, but he's got these little Fauci trolls running around behind him. And I thought that was the best meme for call of duty out there because everybody thinks they know how to play until they're actually doing it and if we look at this gentleman who's trying to tell the world which i'm probably getting a little shit for these comments but i think he dropped out of art school and he's only so tall hmm. but i'll just I leave wonder, that on the table 
Yeah, I wonder, I wonder who that is. <laughs> On Thursday, March 31st, Let's Walk It Out will be kicking off its second annual 222-mile ruck march in North Carolina. Raising awareness from Fayetteville to Camp Lejeune and back, Let's Walk It Out is dedicated to suicide prevention and overcoming the stigma often associated with PTS, all while benefiting charities committed to veteran wellness. Ten days, ten legs, but unlimited potential to be part of the solution. Volunteer, sponsorship, and participant opportunities can be found at letswalkitout.org. Together, let's work it out. Let's walk it out. Anyways, bro, hey, let's let's get started with our, with our guests. Uh, and, I, and I'm going <laughs> to mess this up because I'm going to say it the Puerto Rican way. All right. And then when he introduces himself, he's going to say it the right way. All right, people. We got today uh, a guest, Andrew Campoamor. What's going on, Andrew? <laughs> How you like that R? Amor. That was good, man. Yeah. You roll the R's like a professional, uh, man. Hey, hey brother. Can, uh, <laughs> just tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, and of course, tell us how to pronounce your, your name correctly. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I mean, I say Campamore because like my skin complexion is too white to be able to roll my R's in public like that. I'll get weird looks. Um, so yeah, just Andrew Campamore um, is how I do it. But so tell us about yourself, brother. Uh, uh, where are you from originally? Uh, uh, you know, tell tell us the whole shebang about you, man. Yeah, man. So uh, I was born and raised in Anchorage, Alaska. So like where Nate's from. Actually, I consider that the South, um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I grew up there, um, all the way till I was 17, um, graduated high school by the skin of my teeth. Um, uh, like kind of a squirrely kid, you know, got into some trouble, nothing too serious, but, um, like teachers never liked me stuff like that. Um, but when I graduated high school, I actually had decided that I was going to go to like a, a trade school for like auto body and fender repair. I actually had like signed up with one of my buddies and I was about, I don't know, maybe three months away from going and doing that. And just in the middle of the summer um, on, on my time off, I was at the mall and I walked by a Marine recruiting office and had never, ever considered joining the military before that. Um, but walked by, stopped in, talked to the guy for a little bit. Um, I was 17 at the time. So I had to come back the next day with my mom so she could sign like the release <laughs> for me not being 18. And, uh, I just struck a deal with him where it was like, yeah, man, I'll do this, but like, I want infantry and I want to leave as soon as possible. Um, so 10 days later, I was on an airplane to boot camp in, in, uh, San Diego. <laughs> That's <laughs> the, what I'm talking about, man. Yeah. Um, so I did that, went through boot camp SOI, um, got to one four in Camp Horno, uh, the place that time has forgotten on Camp Pendleton. Um, and, uh, did a deployment there with one four in a, uh, so I, when I went through SOI, I had this like weird misconception, um, like our school of infantry that the only grunts were O three elevens, right? So like the riflemen, you know, like 0341s, like mortarmen and the machine gunners and all that stuff. I had this weird conception that like, no, you're not a grunt. It's only, <laughs> it's only the like walkers, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so I was like, yeah, man, I'll be a grunt. And uh, so then I, I did 0311. And then with my luck, I got chopped to a weapons platoon in 1-4, which was nothing but mortarmen, machine gunners, uh, like assaulter men and tow gunners. There was like four 11s with us. 
Um, but I did my deployment to Fallujah with them, uh, came back and then, uh, we were lined up to go back to Iraq and then like pretty early on in the workup, they switched us to going on a Mew where like we attached to the Navy and go out for like nine months on a boat. And I did one at sea workup period for two weeks and decided that spending nine months on a boat was definitely not my cup of tea. Um, and at that time, MARSOC had just started up uh, and I didn't really know a whole lot about it, but I kind of looked at it and I was like, okay, cool. Like the Marine Corps finally has a special operations. I was like, that's something that I'd be interested in. Um, like I love my time in the infantry, but it wasn't exactly what I thought it would be. Um, so then I, I looked at MARSOC. I was like, well, there's my chance. And I kind of okayed myself with, all right, I'll do assessment and selection. Um, cause I'd rather know, right. Like if I just decided to get out and leave the Marine Corps, then I would always be asking myself like, well, had I taken selection, like, would I have made it? So like the deal I made with my, myself was like, go do selection. If you make it, then there you go. If not, then you'll get out, but at least, you know, um, so I took selection, got selected, uh, went through our pipeline, um, and then joined the teams on the West coast. Uh, did a handful of deployments with them there. I was there for about 10 years on the teams on the West Coast. And no then, shit, Andrew, uh, what, what year did you go through the course? Uh, so my selection was 09. Um, and then I finished and graduated ITC in like 2010. Oh, damn. Okay. Because um, I started working, yeah. I started working Derna Bridge uh, as a contractor. Oh, yeah. You? I was a G chief, but I didn't start it until 2012. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was working out there. Um, I, yeah, I worked out there for about five years. Yeah. As a G chief. Yeah. We modeled that whole thing after your guys's Robin. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but no, so I did my 10 years out there team time. Um, and then I finally got asked to take a knee for a little bit. So I came over to the East coast, uh, stone Bay where Marsoc's headquarters is and did a stint for three and a half years as the, um, like I was CQB instructor, DA instructor, I was the lead breaching instructor, um, did that for the last little bit, which I honestly thought I was going to hate. Like I had been dodging going to the schoolhouse forever. because I just wanted to, I just wanted to keep staying in the teams, keep deploying, That's what everybody keep doing wants, all that stuff. Man, I don't blame you. Yeah. You know, and, uh, but finally like the writing was on the wall and I, like I knew after my last deployment that I was going to go to the schoolhouse no matter what. So I actually decided to volunteer to go to the schoolhouse ahead of time um, just so I could pick where I could go, which was like the DA section for our schoolhouse. Um, so I spent three and a half years there, um, ended up being like medically separated, medically retired from the Marine Corps, which was a whole pain. Like my last eight months in the Marine Corps was an absolute nightmare as far as trying to figure all that stuff out. Um, but I actually, um, got out on March 17th of last year and now I just do some, I, I consult with some different government agencies from the DOJ and the DOS. And then, uh, I work some contracting gigs, um, with a company out of West Virginia. And then other than that, I just built myself a camper van with my girlfriend and we travel as much as we possibly can. Hell yeah, bro. That's the life. You know, you gotta, you gotta, oh, you gotta, dude, enjoy, so you nice. gotta enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, where are you living now? Yeah. So I, I still live in Wilmington, North Carolina. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. When I 
when I came over here in 2000, like late 2017, bought a house because uh, the housing market's way better in North Carolina than it is in California. So bought a house and then um, just decided to stay here. It's 100% not where I'm going to spend the rest of my life, but I'm sick and tired of moving all the time and bouncing around. So until I figure out where that place is going to be, like Wilmington's good enough. And I get to stay close to the team guys and stuff that are still there on Stone Bay. Yeah, see them every once in a while. Yeah, so. you you gotta do that, man. Hey guys, just wanted to let you know I really love the work you guys are doing, but I think JP is gonna need subtitles. Uh, I was there. Well, yeah. actually, not Wilmington, but I was in Camp Lejeune. Two weeks ago, we were doing a, a recon for a rock march that we're doing all the way to come to June and back to Fayetteville. Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, we just... And JP, you got to let me know when you're in town, man. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I definitely will. Yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah. Don't don't get jealous, Nate. We we will hog and stuff like that and you, <laughs> you won't be there. It's Sorry. all good. I already had him up in my beard there a couple weeks ago. So. Oh! Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm trying, I see that. I'm trying right Educated now. Educated beard. Check them out. Educated beards. Hey, so Andrew, uh, when <laughs> when uh, you know, if, if there's if there's at least uh, if there's anything that you want to share, but uh, you know, for your deployments overseas, is there's any incident that that kind of like follows you around, uh, or or you know something that keeps coming back to your head? You're like, man, that was messed up. You know, kind of like not necessarily that that gives you ptsd that you can't sleep or anything that that but normally there's like one thing that we bring back that it stays with us and it will not go away oh man i i would say there's about a million honestly yeah. um like uh my 2012 deployment in the helmet with the teams i actually just found this out like a month ago i had no idea but that was the deadliest year for soft guys since vietnam um, and so we were out there throughout the summer months and stuff. And I mean, my team alone took three KIAs. I want to say it was like four or five casualties to the point where they had to get sent home. Uh, my sister team got uh, three KIAs all at once from a, a green on blue incident. Um, my other sister team uh, took one KIA and... They had uh, their team leader was shot in the back and paralyzed from the chest down. My other buddy, Ricky, was shot through the neck. Um, so that that was like a that was a pretty intense year in deployment for me. But I mean, honestly, I, I, I think we can all attest to it. Like every time you go out, there's something. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there there's is. always something. And and for me, like that was kind of the I mean, like deployments were home for me, honestly. Um, because it was the absolute best of humanity and the absolute worst of humanity, um, all, all packaged together. But I mean, I, my, you know, my home life growing up wasn't like the greatest by no means was it the worst, but you know, I, what I found in a team with that, that selflessness and that dedication to each other and all that stuff was like that, that's what family is supposed to be. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's tons of things throughout my deployments and my time where, I mean, they, they pop up randomly all the time, um, you know, driving down the road, sitting down on the couch, going and playing a hockey game or whatever. Like it just, it forces itself into your brain, this like memory just out of nowhere. Um, but honestly, like all of those, those really, really tough 
moments on deployment and those those shitty things that happened um i i truly try to remind myself to be grateful for them um because i mean like all the guys that i've lost that i had so much love for you know it wouldn't hurt as much to think about or to have pop into my head if i didn't have all that love for them if i didn't get to share those experiences and have those relationships so even though it sucks and like yeah man i get depressed at times and I go through some hard times and stuff. But when that happens, I, I just try to remind myself in those moments that like, Hey man, there's a reason for it. You know, like the good comes with the bad and as shitty as I feel right now, it's because, you know, years ago I felt so amazing being with these guys and having these experiences. I mean, deployments truly are like, they're the best time of your life. And then in a second, they become the worst time of your life. That, yeah. That's a fact, right? You know, here. but yeah, but I but I think guys like us are like we're fortunate for that. You know, like we have truly seen like the absolute best that humanity has to offer. We've seen people stripped down to their core where there is no hiding who they are, and we've seen the purity of humanity. And then we've also unfortunately because we were able to see that, we also had to see the complete yeah, opposite. Um yeah, you know, but um but that's you know, like it sucks, man, but that's just that is the life of a gunfighter, right? Oh, like, yeah. you know, it's funny because a lot of people <laughs> go like, uh, there was a lady when two days ago that told me, uh, well, it's so sad because these soldiers, why are we sending soldiers to Ukraine? Yeah, of course, I don't agree with sending nobody to protect nobody's border when our, ours is fucked up, right? But uh, they're like, poor soldiers are like, listen, you don't understand, ma'am. These infantry guys in the 82nd are fighting over who goes. You don't yeah. understand that. They're oh, yeah. over there, and and or uh, the, the brigade that is going. That I know the army don't give a shit about upsec anymore, and they will put it out. But I'm not gonna do it. But <laughs> the brigade that was picked to go, right? They're already picking on the other brigades. Oh, you guys ain't going nowhere, Ooh, motherfuckers. <laughs> What's up? Oh you know, yeah. Because because that's what nobody wants to train for 20 years, retire out of the army, and never put that training to work. Well, no, I, and I had people ask me all the time, like, like, Hey man, like you're coming up on deployment. Like that sucks. And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what do you mean that <laughs> sucks, dude? I was like, are you kidding me? I was like that, that would be like, like a professional football player who only gets to go to practice. He never gets to go to the game. I was like, that deployment is my game. Yep. Right. Like that's, that's where I get to actually do this stuff. Um, no, it's, it's, it's funny that you say that, man, because I've, I've had, and I'm sure everyone from our side of the house has had that where, and I think it's a detriment too, right? Like where people kind of expect you to be fucked up or they expect you to not like the deployments or they, they you know, when they speak to you and even when it's like that, thank you for your service, it's almost in a, in a tone that's like, they're sad for you, <laughs> you know? And I'm just like, nah, dude, like, are you kidding me? You know, I played hockey my entire life growing up. I was really good at it, but I was never the freaking best, right? Like, I went to high school, went to school. I fucking sucked at school and all that shit, right? But all these things throughout my life, I was never, like, one of the best at. Like, this is the thing that I found that I was one of the best at, that I excelled at, that I loved, that I enjoyed, that I craved, right? Like, yeah, it made sense to me. Everything was pure. It was simple, right? Like, even when things... And we all know this from the military, completely fucked up, right? Like it's the most simplistic fucked up. Like how many times have we all sat around 
where we're just like, we're like, what the fuck are these guys thinking? You know, like, oh my God, the writing's right, right on the wall. Like nothing's really that convoluted, yeah. you know? Um, but that's like, that's what I loved about it. And that's where I feel like I was truly fortunate for all of that time with it. Um, but yeah, you know, like now I'm just rambling. No, on. no. I, I used to tell people that the military uh, is controlled chaos, right? So, oh, yeah. so a lot of people or civilians, if we put them in that situation, they'll freak the fuck out. But for us, it's like everything is under control. Countdown. But there's bullets flying. The, the sky is on fire and, and there's no food. It's all right. Like, will it tomorrow? It's okay. Calm down. <laughs> you know. It's like... Yeah. Well, it's just that it's that a uh, it's that adjustment in perspective, right? Like, um, like I used to tell this to people all the time because I work with like uh, professional fighters and stuff on mental preparation and like mental focus and and things for their fights. Um, but you know, I I used to when people would bring up certain things to me about like, oh, the things that you've been through, right? And like that must have been so hard or whatever. And like, I could never imagine that type of pain or like that type of loss. You know, I always used to say like, man, well, it's relative and, and it's perspective, right? Like, um, sure. Right. Like you see that from my side of the house and you're like, that's insane. I could never imagine it. Right. But that's because that's not the world that you live in. Right. Like when I was 18 years old, if someone would have told me some of those things, I would have said the exact same thing, but I always equate it to like when you're a kid, right? Like you get a paper cut and it's the worst pain in your life. You ball your eyes out and it's nuts. When you're an adult, you get a paper cut and you're just like, oh, fuck, like, God damn it. I'm an idiot. <laughs> right. Because like, as you've grown, you've been exposed to more and more pain and stuff. So your pain, that threshold, that baseline shifts up. Right. But, um, I like when people tell me that type of stuff, I say like, dude, like my pain is no different than your pain. Like my threshold is higher, right. For like going through certain things. But the actual emotion that I feel, the loss or the suffering or the pain or, or whatever, is the exact same emotion that you feel. And so, like, we, we are not different there. Yeah. Like, that's all, that's all similar. And it's the same thing where, like, how you're talking about, like, you know, being there, bullets flying over you and all that stuff. Like, man, in a lot of situations, I've had bullets just scream right by me, but I feel perfectly yeah. safe because I'm behind the wheel of a Humvee tire. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, to me, that is... Like, to me, that's safe, right? Like, and my feeling of safety is no different than anyone else's feeling of safety. It's just my my baseline or my threshold is different. That's all. Yeah, you know, and I'm glad you mentioned that because we, we even talk about it before in the podcast, right, Nate? Yeah. Like, the, you know, I, I understand that, that you know, we, we're out there. Like, I know some people that left their base maybe one time in the entire one-year deployment, right? Uh, but maybe in that one time they left, they saw five bullets fly over their head and that was the most scary situation that they ever been right and that that is what triggers their anxiety their stuff like that to us that is like yeah another day at work right so so when people yeah. tell me oh you don't understand jp because i haven't been through as much shit as you have so i can't complain I'm like no bro You see, you didn't sign up for what I signed up. You yeah. signed up to be a supply guy sitting at a base, you know, doing logistics and making sure I get my bullets, making sure I get my freaking food. I signed up to be in the gunfight. Yeah. So I'm expecting yeah. that you're not. So I'm not going to judge you just because, you know, you saw five bullet flies and now you can't sleep at night. It's okay. You know? Yeah. Well, no. And too, like when, because I've had people, because I did like just about 15 years before I, I got separated. Um, You know, and I've had people like junior guys on the teams or, 
or just people from other areas in the military where they're like, oh, you know, like I only did eight. So how could I ever complain to you about like what, what I went through? And I'm just like, dude, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, I did 15 years and I guarantee you, I saw way less fucked up shit than the soldiers of world war two who only did four, you know, like, like you can, you can step out on one mission for one day and experience a lifetime worth of things. And then you can also do 20 years in the military and retire and have never gone on a deployment. And I'm not, no, that's correct. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not talking down to that or anything, but like this, it's something that I really dislike when I'm talking to other people that have served and all this stuff. And they're, you know, they're trying to minimize what they went through as almost like a shield of like, you know, like, Oh man, like, no, you did more. Like, I don't even want to talk about it. And it's like, dude, no, like that's kind of the point, right? Like we talk about it, like we share it, you know, we, we have these open discussions and all these things like, you know, when we were in, no one was left alone. Yeah. Like, why should that be any different now? Yeah. You know, we, uh, there was about, I want to say it was about a year ago. Uh, I was at Charlie Mike's little bar right here next to my house. <clears throat> was at Charlie Mike's and there was uh, two guys from the 82nd. They didn't know each other. They just started talking. They made friends. And I'm sitting over there. I'm listening to the conversation. And of course, you know, all of a sudden, the, the, it's a dick measuring contest, right? So it's like, hey, show me your, you got photos in your uniform, you know, in your class, you know, in your ASUs, you know, with all your ribbons and stuff like that. And it's funny because they're pulling out photos. Oh, yeah, I got my DA photo for my fucking promotion. I got it right here, you know. And they're pulling all this shit. And this one guy, the first thing he focused on was on the overseas deployment stripes. How many tours do you have in combat, right? Or what we call the combat hatch, right? Yeah. Which is So he's trying mm -hmm. to focus on that. And he was like, oh, man, I got seven, seven hatches on mine. You only got two. And... uh Anyways, they kept talking about it, talking about it. And, and I just go like, okay, maybe, maybe the guy's right. Maybe he got more experience. But I'm going to jump in here and just take a leap of faith that this guy have a bunch of tours but haven't done shit. So let me go over there. So, you know, I sit down. And I go like, hey, well, oh, shit, great uniform. I started looking at the picture. Oh, fuck, yeah, let me see yours. And he goes, oh, yeah, look, he only got two hashes. I got seven. I'm like, this. I'm like hey, uh, so uh, how many deployments you got? And he told me, well, I got, what was it? He said he got like a five combat deployments of, you know, because every six months you get a hatch. So he got five combat deployments, mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. He's like, he only got like basically one and a half, you know? And I go like, oh, okay. And I go like, okay, cool. I'm like, hey, what did you do? He's like, well, I was in the infantry, this and that. And I'm like, how many, how many firefights did you get? He's like, fuck. The first day we were in country, fucking, we got ambushed and we spent two, two, two days yeah. freaking from ambush to ambush to ambush to ambush. He's like, I lost how many guys in my platoon, this and that. He said, my second deployment, I got shot, this and that. I, I look at the other guy and he's like, how, how many did you kill? <laughs> he just looked at me and he's like, well, I'm an HR guy on human resources. <laughs> and I look at him and I go like, so you want to compare your seven freaking combat hash with his two when his two make up for like 71 of yours. I'm like, now I'm not saying that you didn't do your job. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that, you know, 
you didn't do your time and your deployment and that's freaking what you're supposed to do. That's great. And I'm like, but you can compare the, your experience in combat based on hashtags. Because, and even if both of you were infantry, this is what I told them. It's like, even if, let's say that both of you were infantry, right? And both of you get five combat hash-ish, right? I go like, maybe, maybe two months in your deployment, you saw way more shit than his, all this guy's deployments. It doesn't matter. It's like, because yeah. experiences are different for everyone. Yeah, well, and I, I never understood, like, why it became a competition. <laughs> I know. Right? Yeah. Like, like when, when did it become this competition? It's like, and I, I used to tell dudes all the time, too, when, like, that type of conversation would come up. Actually, one of the funniest ones was two team guys where one of them used to be a dog handler before he was a team uh -huh. guy. And uh, the dude who had always been a team guy was, like, talking shit to him. He had a silver star and, like, all this shit um and just saying like oh yeah man well like back in that day you were just a dog handler not a team guy and the dude's like yeah man i got a navy cross when i was a dog <laughs> handler for the team you know like fuck but um but no i i used to tell dudes too like if you want the real competition like it's out there man like i promise you the dudes that we're fighting against are 10 times harder like when we go on our six month deployment and we whip it on and we crush it for six months and then we leave guess what the guys that came in six months after us are still fighting the, the same, same dudes. dudes that we yep. were, you know, like when you're back here going to the bars and hanging out with your own lady and like watching movies and stuff, those yeah. dudes are still in the mountains drinking goat's milk and eating rice and, and freaking whipping it on. Like what, that's the only comparison you need to be concerned. Those about. guys don't take a break. They don't take a holiday. They, they don't no. go and leave. No. They don't, you know, they don't go back home and take breaks. And next thing you know, uh, 15 years later, we're fighting them and their sons. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. Know, and, yep. and guess what? They're not taking breaks. They're still in the cave, you yeah. know, coming out every day trying to kill us. I mean, I mean think yeah. about it, man. Holy shit. Yeah, and imagine the life. stuff those guys have seen. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, they, my goodness. Yeah, they, you don't see them over there going like, hey, uh, how many tours you got? <laughs> you know, like, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we had the same problem where senior NCOs and stuff had not deployed in 20 years since Cyprus, you know, and we have privates that were doing back-to-back -to -back tours in Afghanistan and they'd show up and I'd see these other sergeants and warrants and they'd look down at these guys. And I'm like, what the, why, why the fuck are you looking down at these young guys that have experience? Well, I'm, I'm the one in charge. Okay. You're in charge, but they've got some experience that they can share with you because you haven't left Canada in 20 years. And there was this one yeah. guy we worked with, because uh, we had some artillery guys come over and this one guy, he was a clown. He was uh, walking around and he was checking everybody's medals and stuff. And we're like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, well, I just want to, I just want to see and make sure that uh, uh, everybody that's got less than me stands around me. I'm like, well, how many do you have? He's like, I got two. And he looks at me and he's like, oh, you can come stand with me. And I'm like, first off, buds, I don't know who the fuck you are. And second, mine are in my pocket because I'm missing the thing to hold them onto the back there right now. So just, just give me a second and I'll pull them out and put them on. Do you still want me to stand beside you? No, no, that's okay. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Fucking idiot. You know, I, I just don't know why people do that. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's just freaking insane. It's like a big competition. It is. You know? And it's a wrong kind of competition. Like when you look at it from a leader's perspective, if I got seven guys to choose from and five of them have, you know, multiple ticks that they've been in and everything, I'm, I'm going to draw them in and I'm going to ask them all sorts of questions because I want their information. So I'm prepared for the next one. Even if I'm in charge, 
I can still ask them questions to make my plan and be informed. I don't have to be insecure and, oh, well, I have to be in charge and I have to pretend my nuts are bigger and I'm just going to belittle them and, you know, take it from the book aloud and yell at them. I just, well, we I know like your nuts shit. are not bigger, so you don't even, you shouldn't even try that. <laughs> it's cold up here, okay? It's cold. <laughs> No, but I mean, I, th I think that's where a lot of it does come from, right? Is that like insecurity or that, that loss of like self-validation, um, you know, and like, sometimes I think that comes from within, right? Where you're trying to compare yourself to someone else and you see them and you're like, oh man, like I didn't do as much as them. So yeah. somehow now that means whatever it is that I did do didn't matter. Right. Um, but then I also think it's some sort of like societal thing too, right? Where like, you have all the movies and the TV shows about the war and, and the military and all this stuff. And it's always gunfighters and it's always these big epic things and all this stuff. And I feel like some guys that come back, you know, they, they see that and they see how society reacts to it. And then they have to try and seek that outside validation because like, maybe they didn't get into that big gunfighter. Maybe it wasn't the worst day of their freaking life. So they start coming up with these other things to be able like, no man, like what I did mattered. Right. Where like, I always argue, like, go back to self-validation, man. Like, I don't give a crap if you were a trigger puller or you were admin in logistics, man. Like one of my favorite guys that I ever worked with while I was in was an admin clerk for our company. Um, and this dude just loved being an admin clerk and he crushed it. He took care of absolutely everything we needed, everything we needed. And you know, I became good friends with him. And, you know, one day we got to talking and stuff and, and just kind of picking his brain. And, you know, he told me, he was like, yeah, man, you know, like I wanted to be in the military and I wanted to make a change. He was like, but I wasn't where you guys are at. Like, I, I'm not built to be a trigger puller or anything like that. He's like, but I know that if I can excel at this job and do it the best, that alleviates you guys having to worry about this stuff. So then you can go and do your job with your heads in the right place. And he's like, and that's how I contribute. Absolutely. And that's more like what, yeah. And that's what I would like to see more of, right? Like is, is like I said, I don't, I don't care what your job was in the military. It's all needed. Like I can't, I can't get to the X without a helicopter or a truck unless I'm rucking in 15 K, which has happened before. Right. But then I also need the ruck from supply and all of these different yeah. things. Like, if you, if you remove everyone else, like we, we can't do everything. And the same thing, you remove the trigger puller at the end of the day, then none of it's worth it, but it all has to come together. Um, and everyone has to pull their weight and dude, whether you were in gunfights or not, like it mattered. I mean, think about and it. And I think like a lot, if you were deployed, bro, and, and you knew your pay was messed up and, and, oh, and your yeah. wife is, you know, it's needing that money. This and would you be able to concentrate on your job? Absolutely not. Right. Absolutely and if, not. You know, and I've seen. That. I know. And if if you're deployed or about to deploy, it and before you leave, they're like, "Hey, you need to turn everything that you need to turn in for the promotion board." You turn it into those guys, and they tell you, "Hey, we'll take care of it." You're trusting that they will, and you don't worry about it anymore. And now, unfortunately, some people will not take care of it, but. But a lot of a lot of them, like I had some awesome admin guys, and when they told you they're gonna take care of this, they freaking did. And they were badass. Because yeah, they, they were badass. They, they were did. awesome. They were badass at their job. Yeah, they were awesome. So we turn in paper where yeah. I'm like, hey bro, you got me. It's like, I got you. And then I leave, I don't think about it again. That's it. We I was working yeah. with a young fellow on the range, um, young Canadian soldier. He uh 
was a reservist. So he is a reservist or whatever. And he was up for promotion, but he was like, you know, I don't really deserve this. His confidence was shit and everything. And his shooting was atrocious. Um, cross-eyed dominant. So, so it was, it, oh, yeah. so it was just confidence. Like he's, he's shooting right-handed, but gaming left eye and everything. So it was just, this, mm-hmm. anyways, after six months of breaking him down and being like, dude, and every Friday night we'd shoot together. And when I first met him, I'm like, well, what is your job? And he's like, oh, I'm just admin. And I'm like, don't ever fucking say that again. Don't ever diminish what your role is in the military. When I and I meet people too, and they're like, "Oh, I'm finance, or I'm I'm logistics, or I'm a, a wrench puller, or you know, vehicle driver, whatever. I don't fucking care what it is. You're in the uniform. You're doing your job. You do it the best you can. That makes you a badass." So, anyways, this young fellow built him up, built him up, and kept telling him, "No, dude, you." And people loved him's job because he was that guy that if he said he was going to do something, he would he would go through colonels to get sure that your paperwork was signed for you. He would ensure your pay was good. Uh, he's Asian um, ancestry. So we don't talk about his math skills because they're not really on par for the Asian persuasion. So <laughs> anyways, um, so we, as we, I was building him up and seeing his confidence grow and we were working on his leadership side and everything, his shooting started to come together. And the last time I spent on the range with him, I had him so pumped up. I was like, dude, you're a badass. The guys are loving you with your your pay scales. Their your leadership course that you're on right now is phenomenal, and you can see this this confidence building up in him. Little shit gave me a run for my money on the range after six months, and he was he was hitting playing cards at seven meters from going from a five foot group six months before and being told he can't shoot to having a fast draw, nice and smooth, graceful as shit, and his confidence was just pinging because. He finally realized he was comfortable with who and what he was. He doesn't have to be a door kicker. He doesn't have, if you're in a uniform, you do whatever that job is to the best of your ability. And that's what makes you a badass. And that's, that's what I'm hearing from both you guys as well. That something we've echoed on this show before is don't diminish what your experiences have been and don't try to compare your experiences to other people. It's your individual experiences will be individual. You know, I think yeah, I think absolutely. it was a, a because of a comment like that that I heard one time. I made a, a video on TikTok that oh my god, it, it cost, but I love making controversial videos because I I start the argument and then I just slowly walk away and let people fight. You know, I go like, dude, you don't realize that I just did that on purpose, and you guys are fighting <laughs> for something that I'm just laughing here. But anyways, <clears throat> I made a video and and it was about it, uh, about the same thing. I said. I know people that have deployed multiple, multiple times to combat and have never experienced combat, mm. you know, it's like, so, so don't, but, but that doesn't mean that you didn't do your job. It's just that you didn't experience combat. So, because, uh, because there's a lot of people too, that like to go around, like, like you said, Andrew, they, they're trying to seek external validation, right? And in order to do that, the way they do it is they walk up to people. They're like, oh, I'm a combat veteran. And and you go like, okay, cool. But what they don't tell you is I'm a combat veteran that never stepped out of the base, never even had to carry my rifle on base, never even had to shoot my rifle. They never tell you that, right? Once again, nothing wrong because if that was your job, that's great. But you don't have to try to use that word combat in order to try to validate what you did in your deployment you know i'm a combat veteran yeah well and and like a big thing too is like most of the time when i i hear that type of talk it's it's validating to someone who 
like wasn't in the life, right? Like someone who wasn't in the military, like just some civilian and stuff. And like, I've, I've found like, I mean, <laughs> dude, even with my own family and my mom, right? Like I, I limit how much I stories I tell and all this stuff, because at the end of the day, like in, in, unless you live that type of life, there's no way to fully comprehend what all of that was. Yep. And so that's like, when I see people like, yeah, like doing that with like some civilian and stuff, I'm just like, dude, like, what does it matter? Like, what does it matter what this person thinks? Honestly, what does it matter what anybody thinks whatsoever? But like, especially this person from outside your world, like you say you were a mailman and they're like, oh, you were just a mailman in the military. Like, uh, got it. It's like, nah, dude, you know what I actually did? I delivered letters from family to people who haven't seen them in nine yep. months, you know, that like brought back, you know, feelings of, of comfort and home and like all these things, letting them know that the home life was okay. And like all this shit, but like, dude, that's my thing is like, don't even waste your breath, yeah. man. Oh, dude. Like it, it doesn't matter. Dude, receiving mail when you're deployed is like a oh big morale it's fucking the, booster. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. If I don't even know who sent the letter, if I, if I got it by mistake, guess what? I'm oh, open. Yeah. It's yeah. mine. <laughs> oh, oh, dude, I got the, the only one time. There was one time I got mail when I was just irate. I was so upset. And it was, I made a call to my mom on a sat phone and she was like, hey, can I send you a care package and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And I've been dipping since I was 13. Um, and so I told her, I was like, Hey, you know, like we can't get any of this stuff here. If you could please send some grizzly wintergreen long cut, like a few logs of that, that would be awesome. And eventually like a month and a half later, I get the care package and I open it up. I'm all excited. And the boys are excited because we're going to have grizzly wintergreen and all this stuff. And I open it up and it's, it's like 10 logs of grizzly mint pouches. <laughs> and I... Out of that deployment, that was the second time I called my mom was to like complain to her how she fucked that up. <laughs> and I was like, so, <laughs> and I was like, so upset. <laughs> Holy <all>. shit. <laughs> Holy shit. No, I'm, I'm telling you, man, it's, it's, it, it goes back to, you know, every job is important. There's a reason why it's there. Uh, and you don't have, you yeah. don't have to try to, you know, uh, uh, validate yourself to anyone. Uh, you did your job and, and that's what it's all about. You know, we sign up for what we sign up. Right. So that's, that's why I tell people if you sign up for the infantry or for SF or anything like that, or, you know, Marine, you know, uh, 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 freaking being a grunt or whatever it is, and you complain about deploying, then you should have known that before you did it, you know? You, you're gonna yeah. you're gonna be deploying, bro. You're gonna be going to training, not necessarily combat deployments. You might be just deploying to training yeah. because you have to train, right? So it's gonna happen, man. Yeah, it's gonna happen. Well, I mean, at at the end of the day, too, like it's it's called being in the service for a reason, right? Because you were you were in service of something bigger than yourself. Yeah. That right there, no matter what your job was, that's good enough. Yeah. That's more than most people do and achieve in their life. I don't care what your job was in the military. You were in service of something bigger than you. Whether it was four years or 20 years, like you did your time and you put in some work. Like that's enough to be proud of. You don't need anything else. Uh, I think they should make it mandatory anyways. 
Uh, I really think we'd have these people going out there and whining about the world that they don't understand. People would finally leave their backyards and be like, Oh, this is what it's really like in the world. And I have been whining and bitching and complaining about, I I think at least it should be at least three years mandatory service because at that point, you know, if you've been in in your mom's tits for, for your entire life, you know, if, if you don't know how to balance a checkbook, if you're not responsible that, Oh, you will be real fucking quick. You well, know, and, and going yeah. to university, you don't learn how to live yeah. in the world. You just learn how to keep going to school. But going and joining the military, you learn how to survive with other people. Yeah. You learn, like you said, balance all yeah. those things, be mature and responsible for staying alive. And whether you like the military or not, after those three years, I guarantee you're going to be a better person for serving those three years than you were before. And if you want to, oh yeah, those those three years transfer into like what ten normal human oh, yeah. years. <laughs> I I like that <laughs> ten normal normal human years. Because <laughs> because we are not normal humans. That's, that, that's a fact, though. Uh, Andrew, I got a question, man. Uh, when uh, after you you know you got out and uh, you started transition, which is what about a year ago? Uh, did, did you have a hard time? Uh, trying to come to terms with the fact that shit, I'm not a cool guy anymore. <laughs> oh man, I'm still a cool guy. Don't worry. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I I didn't have a, a super hard time, but um, like when, when I was getting out, like I said, it, it was a little rocky for me. So essentially, I, I had accumulated like a ton of injuries throughout my years and I kept on ignoring them so that I could keep staying on the teams and keep working and keep deploying we and all, all those did things. Dumbasses. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, about a year before I ended up getting out, um, I finally got some like MRIs done and found out that my back was absolutely destroyed and my neck was absolutely destroyed. So um, at the time, my doctor was saying like, hey man, this is grounds for medical separation, medical retirement, and all that stuff. He was like, but if that's not the route that you want to go, um, then you know we'll just kind of keep this quiet and you can reenlist. Because I was coming up on my EAS at that time uh, and deciding whether I wanted to reenlist or not. Um, and so then I had like a big thought about it, and honestly, it boiled down to um, when I thought about doing another four years. I felt comfort in it that like, I know what this is. I know what I'm doing, you know, and I felt comfortable. And when I thought about getting out and leaving, I felt scared. So right there, I knew exactly what decision I had to make, which was to get out and leave and chase that feeling of, of fear and uncertainty. Because to me, that is the biggest route to growth, right? Is that challenge and that strife and, and not knowing, right. It, it, that to me, it, it makes me work harder. Um, so then I, I went back to my doctor and I was like, Hey man, yeah, let's, let's do the surgeries and let's, let's move to, um, me getting out that way. And as soon as I told him, I got a phone call like three days later back from him where he was like, Oh, well your EAS is a month away. So actually the command has made the decision to just go ahead and let you EAS. And then you can take care of the surgeries and all that stuff afterwards through the VA and like, you'll be able to petition your disability and stuff afterwards. And I was like, 
absolutely not, not man. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not typically this type of guy, but like, dude, I just gave you almost 15 years of absolute selfishness and, de- and devotion. And I'm asking for a little bit in return. And you guys are telling me, no, like, absolutely not. Um, my leadership got involved. It took about like two months, like literally three days before I was supposed to EAS. Um, they had the decision to go ahead and, and, um, let me do my surgeries and then medically retire me. But that was because one, my leadership, my, my team leadership stood up for me a lot. And with them doing that, the command still told them no. And so I was like, cool, man, I'm calling a Senator then. And I actually called uh, Dan Crenshaw who was on my 2012 deployment when he was in the seals. That's actually the mission he got shot in the eye was during that okay. deployment. So I called him and his office and the office of the Senator from Alaska um, ended up writing me some things. And I just brought it to the command. I'm like, Hey man, if you guys want to make this decision, awesome, but here's what I'm about to do. And you know, they were like, Oh, you do the command like that. And blah, blah, blah. I mean, you're doing me like that. Like, no. <laughs> well, my, my answer was like, nah, dude, it's, I, I was like, honestly, I've never cared about the command. I don't give yeah. a shit. I was like, but this has happened before and I know it will happen again. I'm doing this. I'm not doing this necessarily just for myself, but I'm doing it for the next guy that comes up with this type of situation. You guys try to fuck him yeah. over. Right. Like that's why I'm doing and, and you this. Know, and you know, the fucked up part, um, bro, it, it cost that command nothing. It cost nothing. them zero cents to let you do that. And it, it, it have Absolutely no adverse nothing. actions on their OERs, on their promotions, or anything whatsoever. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Now, what I will say is the master guns that was at that command actually did really pull through and had a big voice in it. And I really respect him. It's actually kind of funny. I never respected him before that. <laughs> um, but <laughs> um, he, he had a bit of a, a reputation among the team guys and stuff. Um, not that I want to get into it too much, but... Um, he really stepped up and he really was like, Hey man, if this is the route that you want to go and you want to call the senators, I have your back, you know, like this is fucked up and everything. Um, so I really appreciate him for that. But with all that being said, like, then I ended up getting a back surgery and a month later I had a neck surgery and then I was in recovery and I had a lot of time to kind of come to terms with, I was rounding out my time in, in Marsoc, um, before I actually left, um, It, it didn't really hit me until like the day I checked out of everything. And, um, and that's when I was like, man, I'm like, I'm done, you know? And it wasn't, it wasn't so much that I, you know, like, oh man, like what am I now and all this stuff. It was more of that, like throughout my deployments and, and all that things is I couldn't believe that I had made it, you know, like, There are so many guys, literally every dude who has been killed was a better fucking guy than me, you know? And I, and I couldn't re I just, that's what hit me the hardest was like, my God, dude, I did 15 years and I relatively came out unscathed, yeah. you know, like a handful of surgeries here and there and, and stuff like that. Like, but like, that's what really hit me hard. Um, but I, I chose kind of a different route when I left, um, in, Like I, I was really okay with leaving. I felt like it was time for me to move on and close that chapter in my book. And the day that 
I finished on, on March 17th that night, I came home and I gathered up all of my camis, all of my uniforms with the exception of my blues, um, all of my stuff. And I lit a fire in the back and I burned every single thing. And for me, it, it, it 100% wasn't like, you know, a fuck the military no, thing or whatever. It was, a cleanse. it was a very, yeah, it was a symbolic representation of that chapter in my life is over and it's done and it's time for me to move on to the new thing. Like, um, so the non Puerto Rican side of my family is all Norwegian. So I have like a lot of Viking ties and, That's, uh, and Ragnarok that is a, a messed up freaking combination there. <laughs> oh, I know dude. Uh, well, I used to tell people like in my younger days that I fight like a Viking and fuck like a Spaniard, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but no, like it, it was like you know Ragnarok, the 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 end of the world, if you will, um, for Norse mythology, and what people think is Armageddon in Norse mythology really isn't. It's all the old gods die to make room for the new gods, and the 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 theme of Ragnarok is really there. There's a lot of themes, but one of the big ones is you have to let die what needs to die in order to make room for the new thing to grow. And so that night when I came home and I burned all that stuff, that was my symbolic representation of letting die what needed to die so that I, I had the capacity in the room to, to move forward with the new thing in my life. Um, and also to just like not let it define me. Um, you know, I, I hear all the time where guys like they, they lose their sense of purpose after they leave the military. Um, and I see that a lot. And, and I holistically agree that, or holistically agree that like guys like us need a sense of purpose, but I also agree that everyone needs a sense of purpose, but my sense of purpose wasn't the military. My sense of purpose was the things that I did in the military. It was being the guy who stood in between dudes with a big stick and people that couldn't defend themselves. It was my sense of purpose was being selfless. My sense of purpose was, you know, choosing a better path, choosing challenge, choosing things that took me out of my comfort zone. The military isn't the only place that that exists. And, and like, I didn't lose my sense of purpose when I left the military. I, I, I left the military and I burned it. And I carried away all the things that the military gave me, all, all the good things. Yep. And, you know, like, and that's uh, my, literally my laptop right now is sitting on top of a baby grand piano because I decided to learn the piano because it's super challenging and I needed something to take me out of my comfort zone that I sucked at. Right. And I play that thing almost every single day. Um, it, it was just finding something, anything like building out a camper van. Right. Like I've never built anything like that before in my life. And it was super hard doing like plumbing and electrical and all these things. Like I'm not an 18 Charlie by trade. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so it was like just finding all these things. It didn't have to be, you know, combat. It didn't have to be anything even remotely close to that. It just had to have the same baseline. It had to have the same route where it was the things I loved about the military the most were it took me out of my comfort zone. It challenged me. And that, and I truly believe that challenge and hardship is the only opportunity you get to grow and become better. Right. It, 
it made me more selfless. It made me more caring and all these things. So all I did was just find stuff outside of the military. And once I left, that gave me those same things and those same feelings. Man, that's awesome. And, and for all the listeners out there and you know what this podcast, you know, focus on, but uh, listen to what he just said, you know, finding purpose. A, a lot of people, we say it all the time, find a new purpose, but the, pur the purpose is still there. You still got it. You just need to refocus it somewhere else. Uh, you know, Nate does a lot of stuff for the veteran community. I, I, I do the same suicide awareness and things like that. Uh, that's just refocusing your purpose. The purpose is still there, surplus service, serving others, helping people. You just need to find another way of doing it. Uh, and uh, Andrew, if, if you got another, because uh, we got to close out here shortly. So if you got another piece of advice specifically, Andrew, for the people who are really struggling right now uh, with, you know, let's tell the truth with suicide, whether, you know, they're, they're, they're yeah. thinking, should I stay around? Why am I around? You know, I just want to cash out. What, what would you tell them? What, what, what is one piece of, I wouldn't say advice, but opinion or, or, or guidance that you can give them. On Thursday, March 31st, let's walk it out. will be kicking off its second annual 222 mile rock March in North Carolina, raising awareness from Fayetteville to Camp Lejeune and back. Let's Walk It Out is dedicated to suicide prevention and overcoming the stigma often associated with PTS, all while benefiting charities committed to veteran wellness. Ten days, ten legs, but unlimited potential to be part of the solution. Volunteer, sponsorship, and participant opportunities can be found at letswalkitout.org. Together, let's work it out. Let's walk it out. Yeah, man, um, that, I'm so happy you asked that question because suicide's been pretty prevalent with some of my friends. I've had to go through quite a few of them now. Um, my thing is like, be appreciative of it. And I know that sounds weird, but like, dude, I have so many physical scars and I have so many mental scars from what I did, but I, they, I'm proud of them. Like even the worst moments of my life, I'm proud of them because I had to work my ass off and everyone around me had to work our ass off and, and the blood, sweat and tears that went into that horrible moment. I earned that mental scar and I'm proud of it. No one can ever take it away from me and I'm not ashamed of it. I am, I am proud of those things. Like I don't want to be the old man at the end of my life who doesn't feel aches and pains and has nightmares because to me, that means you didn't live. And for all these people that are struggling with that type of stuff and those feelings is like, don't, don't be ashamed of those, man. It, it meant you lived. It meant you did something outside of the normal capacity of a human being. You are extraordinary by any definition of the term you truly are. And just a minor adjustment in your perspective of those things can, can make a huge difference. Um, and then also too, like, don't be too proud, man. If that's how you're like, dude, I've been super depressed in my time. I've been super depressed in my time. And, you know, when I was in a shitty situation being pinned down by gunfire, I didn't just sit there and be like, well, this is it. And whatever I hopped on my 148. And I was like, hey, man, this is my location and I need some help, right? Like that, that shouldn't change, man. If, if you're being pinned down right now in your life, dude, like reach out, 
you know? And, and then I would also extend that to the other guys too. Like, you know, if you're doing fine and you're okay, man, that doesn't mean the dude next to you is and, and reach out to him as well. Um, it's, it's crazy, man. Some of our team guys that I, that I served with over the decade, uh, we have this thing where like, just randomly we text each other. I love you. And that's it. Nothing else. Just, I love you, man. And I'll tell you what, like on a, on a normal day, that's amazing to get on a day when I'm super down and I'm feeling it. That is a lifesaver, dude. It honestly is. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I that's, that's probably the best I could. No, that, that, no, that, that, that was actually pretty awesome. That's pretty good. Uh, and that I love you, you know, it's funny because, uh, uh, when I started dating my girlfriend, I get text message from Ben, from Ben Rios, a, a buddy of mine that was in the team. And he randomly sends me, I love you. <laughs> and my girlfriend sees text <laughs> coming in. I love you. <laughs> it's Ben. It's Ben. It's Ben. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I, I tell you what, those texts, man, random texts, they, they're, they're amazing. Uh, Andrew, uh, I don't know what you got going on, but uh, from, from the 31st of March, to april 9th i can send you all the information or you can uh you can go to let's walk it out let's walk it out.org we're doing a, a suicide awareness and prevention uh, and programs uh rock march we start in fayville north carolina and we it takes 10 days we go all the way to come to june and back to fayville uh we do about average 22 miles per day uh so it's 222 miles uh actually it's We just mapped it the other day. It's more like 227 total. But who wants to brag, right? So anyways, uh, if at any point where we're close to Camden June or whatever, you want to come out and join us, even even if it's for a, for a few miles or just uh, uh, at the end of the day when we stop at whatever location, because we're going to post them on the website, where are we stopping at? Uh, you're more than welcome to come hang out with us, man. That, that will be awesome. Yeah, man. I mean, you have me at the first few words, dude. If I'm if I'm free and I'm around, man, I'll, I'll do the whole thing. Oh Honestly, shit! I would love to. Do yeah, that. man, that that'll be awesome, man. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, it's it's yeah. uh. So la last year we we saved three lives, man, and um just just by doing that that rock march. And uh, I tell people all the time, you know what? If I gotta take that pain for 10 days and I save, we can we but because it's a group effort, right? We save one life. It was worth it. Oh, absolutely. It, it was worth it. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one thing that 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 we're doing also is at the end of the day, when we finish the 22 miles for the day, we're stopping and, you know, we do a little gathering, get together, and we're going to take 10 minutes. Everybody right now, grab your phones. You got 10 minutes, and you're going to either text or call someone that you haven't talked to in a while, and you think they might want to hear your voice right now. So we're going to do that yeah, for 10 days awesome. every day. Yeah. So, uh Yeah, send me all the information yeah. you got on that. I would love to do that. Yeah, definitely. I'll send it to you. But uh, hey, Andrew, uh, we uh, hey Nate, you got you got anything that you want to ask Andrew before we head out? Actually, Andrew and I are working on a project in West Virginia in the fall, and uh, you and I, JP, haven't had a chance to make out. I mean, converse about it yet, <laughs> but uh, it's kind of a big deal. But here's the thing: is I'm going to be at the Let's Walk It Out. So I'm probably going to be walking beside you and making sure you have all the details for this event. So what it's going to be is um, a networking opportunity for veterans and first responders to uh, get together at a location, a very cool location. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to take away from too much, but Andrew's part of it. So um, it's going to be, it's going to be epic. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. 
and Andrew's that's awesome amazing. yeah so it's gonna we'll talk more about that after let's walk it out and we'll we'll do some stuff but yeah yeah no problem yeah. and and uh we'll we'll as soon as you give me the details or it's public, let me know, man. We'll start promoting that thing, man. Oh, yeah. Well, let's... we'll start promoting it in April. It's going to be good. Yeah, that's fine. That's great. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, um, so like I said, Andrew and I have already made out. So, I, I mean, oh, we made a plan. We made yeah. a plan. Yeah, that's Okay, it. that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and made out. We made out while making a plan. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, Andrew, we want to appreciate you for, uh, t- you know, taking the time. We really appreciate you taking the time to come in on the podcast. Uh, we know where everybody's busy these days and stuff like that. So, we appreciate it. We appreciate it. Uh, you sharing your knowledge. And uh, there's a lot of things that you said, man, that it just hit home, you know, even, even for me. Uh, so uh, hopefully the things that you said in this podcast will help somebody out there uh, when they're listening to it. Uh, and uh, once again, everyone, uh, Mike is not around. He's doing some contracts. So he just wanted to say hi to uh, his two loyal uh, fans. Yeah, that's us. And uh, Nate, you got anything else uh, you want to tell everyone before we head out? Uh, just remember that it is uh, Black History Month. In okay. Case you, in case you didn't know that, um, it's you know it's important. Uh, I think history of everybody is important, and Black History is important too because uh, I've worked with some badass dudes and dudettes uh, of them, and there's some pretty cool stuff out there. I've also just want to remind everybody that it is winter. Frostbite's a real thing, and winter is hitting Texas right now. They know what snow is, finally, again. Hey, bro. <laughs> Iguanas are falling off the freaking trees in Florida. <laughs> That's when you know shit is fucked up. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not saying there's a Chinese weather machine out there, but I think we might have to get together and go take on this Dr. Evil, wherever the hell he really is. <laughs> <laughs> anyways everybody thank, thank you for listening to another episode of VTSR Veterans Transition Support Recon Show and we can wait until uh, this episode is out and we'll see you in the next one and remember no matter what you do do not do not cash out